Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, I'm Ethan Richards. I'm Beckett Rice. And I'm CJ Bakel. And for today's episode, we have a super awesome special guest for y'all today. We have Nick Calling, who is the assistant GM of the Utah Warriors and the founder and director of operations of the Collegiate Rugby Shield. So welcome to Tigers Talk Rugby, Nick. Uh, thank you for having me. It's I'm glad to be here to keep pushing this event and talk about some rugby. And we're Heck glad yeah. to have you and talk about some rugby. But before we talk about the Rugby Shield, can I know the announcement should have been put out today. I hope you, everybody who's listening has seen it, but the United States is going to be hosting the 2031 World Cup. So we just want to preface that before we get into this episode because a lot of this is going to tie back into the world cup probably yeah i mean i think ultimately we can look at the mlr as a whole and then further with the collegiate rugby shield kind of guiding people into the uh, mlr and help building out collegiate rugby as part of that entire plan to get a solid event out there for the 2031 world cup yeah, and, and for everybody who's listened to us over the last couple of years now, we always talk about how huge it is for growing the game and connecting every level. So it's awesome to see like the Shield, Rugby Shield popping up and, and seeing that now there's like these implications and stakes of like the U.S. is officially hosting the World Cup. So that's... Uh, yeah, so I like high. that. The stakes are higher, it's higher than they've ever been. Yeah, and it just means good good things for the growth of rugby in the U.S. That's my my eyes eyes on it. So let's uh, get us started here, Nick, with uh, some about you. Let's let's talk a little bit about yourself and and how did you get your position with Utah and and how did you end up getting uh, with the uh, the Rugby Shield set up and and getting organized there. Yeah, so last year I began with Utah um, in the 2021 season in the operations department. And I've told you this before, but I'll tell everybody else, uh, I don't have a really in-depth background in rugby. My background basically comes from the sports industry as a whole. I have a master's in sports management. I was the youngest ever certified MBA agent. I've worked for NFL agencies. I've worked for NBA teams. I've written articles for sports publications. So I've got a good depth of information of throughout the entire sports industry. That's ultimately like why I was hired. Uh, GM at the time, Brandon Sparks, he basically just told me that it was good that I wasn't in rugby coming into it because he wanted a different kind of viewpoint on this and so I started off just helping out with different ways that I could help out with the organization through those different focal lenses I had and then ultimately transition that into working our analytic systems and so ultimately one of our goals within the Utah Warriors entire franchise is to become the epicenter of rugby in North America and part of that is establishing ourselves as just pioneers in what is the next generation of rugby, and that is through analytics. And so I build out all the analytic systems um, that 
basically I can go through and look through players, look through uh, different things throughout the games. I mean, one of my codes has, uh, I did the calculations on it, has 70 million sales worth of data from every single MLR game last year. And then again, at this point, um, once we get through the season, I'll have similar in which we're pulling information from every tackle. We're looking at every ball carry in which we can look at how high is somebody tackling regularly? Can we begin to utilize that in our kind of game plan? That it's like, hey, this person like tackles high, has a lot of non-dominant tackles, absolutely get a lower body height, lower man wins, get that extra gain line, and that's just going to equal some quick ball and get it out to the wing. So we'll uh, – for the – when the eventual rugby version of Moneyball comes out, are you going to be played by Brad Pitt or Jonah Hill? Um, <laughs> this, has always been a joke. this has always been a joke between me and Brandon Sparks. Uh, Brandon, like, he's a good friend now. Uh, we really work well together. Uh, we, like, today's supposed to be our day off, and we're at the office all day in meetings and kind of try to hammer out everything. But uh, the joke is he always says that uh, – we're the money, we are the rugby version of Moneyball. And I say, okay. And he's like, you're Jonah Hill. I said, you just say that because you get to be Brad Pitt, right? <laughs> so it's his only opportunity that he ever gets to say that he's Brad Pitt. Um, because uh, I think definitely uh, when the look scales come down, I'm more of the Brad Pitt and he's more of the Jonah Hill, but uh, we'll let that one pass. <laughs> just don't tell him that. Yeah. Favorite yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, metrics. I'm I'm drooling a little bit for just at the the concept I because obviously doing the film and stats for Clemson for a while I just like I was putting everything together by hand and and kind of cutting and pasting what I could together and oh it was and so like I just I don't know I find sports statistics just super fascinating so oh I mean the beautiful thing about sports is I mean I don't know if it's beautiful, but it's very binary. You either win or you lose. I mean, sometimes you tie, but come on, you win or lose. Uh, <laughs> if you draw, you're basically losing. Both teams are losing. Yeah. Um, but you win or lose, and then it comes down to the numbers. Like, you can begin to make actual like insights into a game based on those numbers the more and more that you get them in front of uh, yourself. And so, like, ultimately, that is my job in the organization is to pioneer that movement towards being analytically focused in coaching, being analytically focused in player recruitment, or even down to just the players. And I know a lot of people, like, I mean, rugby is a very traditional sport. They'll scoff at this and be like, oh, this is, it's not needed. I mean, baseball, very similar situation a few years ago. And ultimately, like, we don't have a philosophy that numbers should ever dictate anything. Numbers just simply guide you in making better decisions. Like, at the end of the day, taking uh, – there was 90, 99 games last year at approximately two hours apiece – that is a lot of game footage you would have to go through to actually begin to get something. And you're yeah. not able to actually fully articulate every single tackle and look right. at everything because the human mind just can't do it. And right. so that's where like computers can begin to help us get into that system, in which 
we can do those type of analysis at a much larger scale than just simply there. And I mean, the next iteration of this is hopefully not only the MLR teams, but we can get the entire world in which further can just better help us find the best players to come bring to Utah and then go forward at hopefully winning a championship one day. See, oh, I, 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 I think I, I'm, I'm that way as well. Cause I really like the analytics of sports. And I think that's kind of why I chose to be an industrial engineer because we use a lot of statistics and stuff to find the most efficient path for things. So yeah. I can really I, relate to that love for the analytics. I was going to say, and, and what you're saying with just like <clears throat> using it as a guide rather than like the end all be all is, is so huge. Like that was something that I know when like I was working with Steve Lynch at Clemson for about a year, year and a half, like we were changing our pl- practice plans like weekly almost, especially during the season, just like based off of what we were witnessing in games, based on the numbers that we were getting, like, like one of the things that we started to realize kind of like early on in, in our season was like, okay, like we just need to get everybody's hands on the balls a little bit more to, to, to speed up our offense just a little bit. It's just like, think about who gets ball touches during a game and like, like it's, it, it just, if you give everybody just a little bit more of that during practice, it, it'll up a little bit in the game and, and things like that, just like those incremental small changes that aren't like necessarily dictating all of practice, but just like con- controlling and guiding things to, to make it more holistically better. is just, uh, it's music to my ears. <laughs> yeah. So like I designed our analytics philosophy and it's based around uh, one of the most famous painters in the world um, ever. And that's Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci, da Vinci was an amazing scientist, but I mean, he painted the Mona Lisa. And so right. ultimately what we see through his artwork is the use of studying the human body through actually going and looking at cadavers and looking at the facial structures. And he utilizes that to then make his art better. And so that's our same philosophy is the art form is the players out there on the field and actually doing stuff. Cause at the end of the day, I can't be out there. Definitely can't be out there. Um, (laughs) I joked with, I joke with Brandon the other day. I was like, Oh, I can play prop. And he's like, you would absolutely get killed. And I said, yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) But uh, at the end of the day, they have to go out there and they're the artists. And so it's simply providing them with that scientific background that it's like, look, this is how the facial structure is. Let's paint the Mona Lisa. Those mm-hmm. type of things that hopefully we can continue to develop and build into something special here in Utah. I love it. I love it. So let's let's kind of pull away from talk about uh, yeah, you guys Utah are so... rugby in your position. I because I could continue that conversation all day. I was gonna say we could have an entire <laughs> episode. We could talk all day about analytics because I know Ethan and. Beckett, you guys are nerds for numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we I, I want to get on to what we brought you on here today. And is that to and it's to talk about the collegiate rugby shield. So what is the best way to describe the collegiate rugby shield to our listeners? Yeah. So like I said, I have a pretty good background in multiple aspects of the sports industry. And ultimately, me and uh, Brandon, we went on some scouting trips last year. I don't know if you're aware of it or any listeners are aware of it, but we went to a few 
uh, institutions. Uh, we went up to Legacy up in Michigan, uh, pulled in people from Davenport. Uh, one of our invitees, uh, Hunter Simons, was there from Ohio State. And so we pulled some guys from there. And then we also went to St. Charles, Missouri, where we uh, were at, obviously, Lindenwood. And so we saw someone like Gabe Ketterling uh, there. And then also uh, another person that will be announced soon. Uh, I can't let you have all the information, but they'll be in. Mm. The announcement on their invite should be coming soon. So it's those type of things. Like we were going out and doing these scouting trips. And it's like we get back and we're like, we saw a few people, but it wasn't like amazing like we got a whole bunch of people but were they fully gonna be in t- turn into mlr players not fully which is fine uh, at the end of the day rugby only grows if everybody keeps playing it everybody keeps supporting it so whether or not you make it to professional leagues you make it to the usa eagles or whatever like you have a big part in the growth of rugby in america and i mean you might not ever get a paycheck for it but at the end of the day like the world cup coming to USA is based on the hard work of all these individuals that have come before us. But uh, ultimately we said there has to be a better way. And so we looked at different leagues in America because we think that ultimately the MLR is going to form into this kind of quasi American style rugby league. And it's already in that case, like we, you see the salary cap, you see the draft, those type of things. So why not lean into that and see what other leagues are doing? And the one that stuck out the most was the NFL. And with the NFL, I think it's good to look at the comparison between roster sizes. And you see how many people are on an NFL roster. Like, it's hard to just do one off event thing that will tell you all the information. And so these teams are going to the combine. They're also going to pro days. And then they also have the senior bowl. And so ultimately what we thought of is, Hey, we watched all these players run 40 yard dash or 20 meter dashes. I think it was what we did. Why not put them in an actual game situation so we can see what their actual rugby skills are. And so that's what we did is we built this event to highlight these players in a game in which they can showcase their talent to not only us, but every MLR team, uh, USA coaches, and maybe even international teams. I mean, I honestly think that Tavite Lopetti is one of the best players in the MLR already, and he's a rookie this year. Like, he has played unbelievable and a great pick at the number two slot that we'll just see if Seattle can hold on to him until he gets a much better contract offer. Uh, but that's just the reality of the MLR right now, and there's nothing wrong with that. But as we continue to grow, hopefully that's not the case. But uh, I digress back. Um, so that's essentially what it looks like is the Senior Bowl type thought process in which players will come and play in a professional environment and a professional type event. And then they'll also be in a professional form of practice for about a week and then also um kind of go through some professional development through not only rugby, but also through uh, business leaders. And even uh, I believe we have a good chance at getting some uh, local uh, like mayors and stuff out to talk with these players that really help them be better people off the field than they are when they come in and not saying that they were bad people, just continue to grow and professionally develop into 
good members of society and somebody that can provide for themselves well past the age of rugby that can provide for them at maybe 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Sir Sir Graham Henry, the former uh, All Blacks head coach, he always liked to say, "Better people make better All Blacks. Better yeah. character, better players." Yeah, um, yeah. my my alma mater, Georgetown, uh, uh, the late and great uh, John Thompson. Yeah, he used to have a deflated basketball sitting in his office, and he'd have players come into his office, like they look at this deflated basketball, and he would sit them down and say, "Look at this deflated basketball." it can't bounce anymore. It can't do anything. Like you have to be more than basketball. And ultimately like that will help the growth of rugby is the ability to get individuals in positions that can provide like financial support to the MLR. I think that's where we're at right now is we have so many people that like, uh, I mean, he hasn't given a ton of support to the MLR, but USA rugby, like Mark Cuban, like Mark Cuban has, supported the US uh, the USA rugby and that is something that's highly influential especially from his kind of position so you don't yeah. have to be in the sport to influence the sport and help make it better yeah absolutely I totally agree with that um but speaking more now that we've sort of gone over how the idea came about and like what the uh, motives and stuff are behind it we wanted to um ask you a little bit like uh so what is going to be the format of the rugby shield is it like a single like all-stars match is it like strip skills and an all-star match combined um maybe you know some combine stuff yeah i mean ultimately uh we don't love the combine look um at the end of the day there's a lot more to rugby than just the athleticism Um, absolutely maybe there's a little bit more truth to the athleticism being more worth in sevens but I mean, this is 15s. Uh, so there'll be some certain tests that they'll do throughout the week in practice, but ultimately all the practices will be focused on preparing in a professional environment, learning how to lift weights in a professional environment, how to do certain drills in a professional environment, how to just be professionals. It is like, it is a big jump to go from being at a college team or just a club team to a professional league. And that's ultimately what we want to do is build that professionalism. And so that we can begin to help continue the growth of this league. And so uh, they'll go through some practices. They'll go through some few different things. Those of course, won't be televised the same way that the uh, event will be. Um, What fans will be able to, what fans will see and uh, will be able to see is the game that will be pay- played on uh, July 2nd at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, so 7 p.m. Eastern, right in prime time on Fox Sports 1. And so that will just be an event that will be full game. There'll be 50 players invited, so 25 on each team. Yeah, it's a little bit more than 23, but uh, at the end of the day, like, why not bring a couple more players that can really showcase their talent? And so 25 on 25, uh, well, 15 game, but 25 rosters. And basically just try to showcase your skills the best that you can. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. I love the, the 
focus on showing the players this is what it takes to like be a professional these are like the expectations and stuff because i think there's like a lot of guys that have the potential to play but they probably at that level but they don't see what it what is needed to be at that level and so i think that's that's great that that's developing that yeah and also giving you some looks at who might be there already mm -hmm. and that's the thing is there is plenty of talent in the U.S. that can build into very good rugby players. Uh, for example, we have a player on our team, Elijah Hayes. He is in his second or third year playing rugby is all, and he is an absolute physical specimen. <laughs> it's individuals like that that, like, they – could have potentially played in the NFL at one point and they decided football wasn't for them. And now they come to rugby and like, I don't think that needs to be a downgrade. Like we should get to the point in which we can, we can provide the same way the NFL can, but also like give the same resources and type of stuff that the NFL has. Yeah. And for like, in the case of, like the rugby shield and, and how it's uh, set up with like teaching the professionalism and, and doing the trainings and practices and whatnot, like over a week or so, like, I think it's so huge in, in more than just like uh, y'all seeing them and like them seeing you and, and how it's run at, at the MLR level, but also just like providing a little bit of insight in terms of like one of the things that we look for whenever we interview anybody is we always like to ask like what sort of advice would you have for players who are upcoming and and what sort of advice do you give um or would you give to somebody who's like interested in in the like getting to the mlr or going into their uh collegiate level of play from a high school level and so it's awesome that like it's now like this is a active, direct way for those individuals to get that information and to grow and to be a part of that. Not only that, it's the showcase aspect of it, but it's mm -hmm. also like at the end of the day, we don't want people to break their banks to yeah. just try to give this a shot. Right. This event is completely free for participants. That's like awesome. they don't have to pay a dime out of the pocket besides their way to get here. We'll pay for lodging. We'll pay for food. We will pay for the training kit. We will, won't make you pay to be part of it. Like there's no reason that has to be the case. Yeah. We can, we can get to get this to a point and we've had good enough buy-in from like Fox sports that wants to have us on their main channel and Fox sports one that mm -hmm. this really is something that we can work towards as a whole in the rugby community to further make this something that's viable and not just a money grab for certain individuals just to get a chance. Yeah. That's right. awesome. And I like the, again, the professionality of it, like teaching, this is a whole like a teaching experience for them because I know with us in Clemson, we're maybe not the most professional program. Cause like you have life where they have life university, they've got weight room coaches, nutritionists, everything's handled right there versus like with Clemson, we have, you know, a certain time that we could, that we, everybody shows up or like at least tries to show up. You know, we don't have a nutritionist. We don't have, I mean, we do have set lifting times, but like 
other other schools like other small schools i know it's like you just have it's a club sport you play from or you practice from 8 to 10 p.m at the intramural fields and that is the extent of their like rugby experience during the week yeah and it's like the hope is is what you all have gone through and what all other college players current and former have gone through and probably will go through for the next few years. The hope is that all your kind of struggles and things that you've had to deal with ultimately become the sacrifices for the next generations of rugby players that at the end of the day, like these teams don't have to deal with this. Like they can be on full scholarships. Like they're not having to say, Oh, I can't take this class at this time because I have practice um, I need to wait until this semester to take or whatever, stuff like that. Like, hopefully we can grow rugby into a sport that's viable, not at only the professional level, but also the collegiate and then further down the road at the youth level and the high school level too. Uh, I, uh, speaking words that I've been, I've been preaching for years of just like things that could benefit at every level. And I just, uh, I love it. I'm, uh, truly speaking in my heart right now. <laughs> so what is the uh, process for getting invited, first of all? And then what is your process for selecting the invitees? I mean, ultimately, uh, we have a kind of a shadow panel. Uh, I can't reveal everybody that's on it. Um, <laughs> there'll be some announcements into the future that will give some uh, rumor. Well, not rumors, but we'll say, like, oh, this person is helping us select stuff, possibly. But, uh, like, there's multiple MLRGMs on this. Um, there's people at USA Rugby that's on this. And so, ultimately, like, it is a group decision on who gets invited. Being invited is, like, a high honor. And that's why it's an invitation yeah. only. But I don't think that should deter anybody. Like, if you give us your film and you're only a freshman, completely fine we can track you over the next few years. And maybe by the time you're a junior or senior, like you've put in enough work that it's like, Hey, like we're going to give you a shot. Like the MLR draft is by some teams hugely like not used to what it can be, but there's some good talent out there and it doesn't always have to come from Lindenwood. It doesn't have to come from life doesn't have to come from Cal or here in Utah, BYU. Like there's some schools out there that you can get solid players um, from and they can really make an impact on your team. Let's so say one of the ones that I'm thinking of, at least regionally for those in, in the Southeast is like Queens University in, in Charlotte has been on the up and up for rugby for the last couple of years to, to a point where like they've been investing in scholarships for players and, and looking at, at growing and, and pushing rugby, especially in the Charlotte area, which is, is pretty immense right now. Um, and like, that's a university that comes to mind when I think of like a small university that, that could possibly produce players that like you and others would be looking at in the near future. I mean, and I think you, I think we also have to realize like these universities that aren't um, I mean, like, Cal or BYU that have like other standings in which like they're mm -hmm. big football schools they do well in basketball scholastically they're pretty prestigious those type of things 
Lindenwood and Life, like, why are they big in rugby? It's because they have invested in it. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. If you make the investment, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what we want is to build something in which college teams begin to realize like, oh, or I mean, collegiate programs and departments, athletic departments begin to realize like, we can invest in this and it can be actually something viable because there's a professional league, the world cup is coming, those type of things. So that is kind of the steps that we're trying to take and to really build out college rugby from just being like, Oh yeah, this is a club team. Uh, everybody, everybody's going to be uh, maybe getting a few dollars here and there in scholarship money to help, but we can't do anything more to actually something that's like, NCAA sanctioned something that is widely on TV and not just the rugby network, nothing wrong with the rugby network. It's absolutely phenomenal what they're doing, but getting to the point where like your college football, your college basketball, those type of things. Mm. And it's not going to be quick. Like it's easy to say all these things. And it sounds like, Oh, the collegiate rugby shield. Oh, it's perfect. It's going to go right into it. Like, I know for a fact that I'm making it sound a lot more important. It's going to take a lot of work to get to that point, but it's something that can happen here in America. Right. And, and I like to kind of play off that as well is like, it doesn't at this point, at least in my eyes, it doesn't need to be like this perfect system. This is like a big stepping stone just in general for rugby in the u.s from especially for collegiate level players looking to go professional because when you think about like it as a system and you think about it as as a concept like you were saying you were comparing it to like the senior bowl like this is the the evolution that is happening that allows the communication of rugby at different levels to be more dynamic to be more like fruitful in terms of what you get and so it like just because it's not going to be like just because it's it won't be perfect this year doesn't mean in five ten years in in the expanded concept of what it will be is like it's going to expand so much like I I don't know I I just think just where you're at now where you have it coming in this year you have invitations that will be going out and and getting eyes on players at the collegiate level and pushing them towards a professional level is already just like substantially better than what last year where an event like this didn't really exist. Yeah. I mean, ultimately last year you had the showcase, which Mm -hmm. I talked to one of the players that uh, um, that's a rookie this year, Colson Warner, who's from Mm -hmm. Lindenwood. He's an individual that went in the second round, late second round to Atlanta. And uh, he ultimately like, didn't find a place there in Atlanta that really fit him. And so they kind of didn't have a plan for him. And so we're like, we'll take him. Uh, Cause we were quite high on him. And uh, I talked with him and, about the showcase and he's like, I was going to have to shell out like $1,500 because mm-hmm. I have to pay for my flight. I have to pay for my hotel. And that's even me sharing like a hotel room with a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. And then I'm paying like $250 just to go to this event. That's, the middle of nowhere, Connecticut, like that's one thing, like it shouldn't be that way. Like at the end of the day, it's put on by a agency, a rugby agency that, I mean, they just want clients. Right. This is a situation like where we want to highlight 
the best players in college yeah. rugby. Like, like I said, there's other GMs on our selection list. This isn't like, yes, yeah. it's coming out of the brain and kind of the groundworks of the Utah Warriors, but we're not doing this to monopolize all these college players. Like yeah. everybody's going to be able to see the game on national TV. Everybody's going to get data from it. Like this is what it's going to be is the sharing of all this data to actually get teams like, Oh, this mm. draft pick is worth something that we had the trade deadline on Monday. You're not just like, Oh, I'm just going to throw away this draft pick uh, for now for something like mm. something that's actually yeah. like, Oh, this kid could, be something in a few years right and actually giving them like the reasons why because look they're really good you can see how good they are mm-hmm. um and that's really the hope is we get the buy-in from some of the other teams in them or that haven't fully bought in like i mean we've had good reception from everyone but mm-hmm. like we want everybody to be there we want everybody to be on the ground at in some presence we even mm-hmm. want them to come and have a banquet dinner like we want every MLR team in a room together and have a banquet with these players that they can talk with these coaches. They can talk with these GMs. They can talk with these scouts, whatever position they are. And they can talk to them about themselves and really be able to pitch themselves to these teams and be like, please draft, not please draft me, but draft me with some yeah. assertiveness. It's not just a passive, oh, yeah, I hope I get drafted. It's like, I think I did that interview really well. And teams actually know these guys instead of just picking a name out of a hat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think that's the great thing about it is like, um, you know, this this advance, this uh, attempt to make it better, more accessible for the, the players um, and give them a much better shot. And I, I, we saw earlier or last week you posted on the collegiate rugby shield that um, there's going to be uh, head coaches, uh, Tui Osborne of St. Bonaventure and Mel Dunham of Harvard um, there to coach for the event. So how did it come about that uh, they got involved in um, this? Yeah. So both have really good rugby resumes. They've both had very good success at college rugby. So, I mean, right there, like that's kind of obvious, but I mean, second to that, this isn't an event just to showcase the talent of players. This is a event to showcase the next potential MLR coaches. This is an event to show the next potential MLR refs. Like this is how we begin to build out actual systems in which like we have someone going from a college coach in rugby to becoming a college or a MLR coach. Like we want to showcase what's out there and see like they're very good at their job and they deserve a chance at the next level. And maybe it's not a head coach right away. That's how it works. And even uh, football, like right. there's a lot of people that just go from uh, being a head coach somewhere to an assistant coach, that's fine. And then they can eventually work their way up. But that's ultimately like, this isn't just a development and showcase event for players. Coaches mm-hmm. are involved, making sure that we're getting good domestic referees. Because I mean, I mean, obviously I'm in a situation that I'll always complain about referees. <laughs> I think, oh, I, think yeah. every, I think every fan this year, if you've watched the MLR, there's been times you've been a little frustrated and it's understandable. Like 
it should be a little bit better and it's fine that it's this level and needs to get better. And I think we need to recognize that we can't just bury that underneath the rug, but at the same time, like we need to begin to develop USA refs, like plain and simple. We can't have just continue to go out there and get sevens referees from England and from New Zealand where we can actually save money and develop individuals here in America. Like one of the uh, consistent touch refs for our games, and he's also been the assistant ref for other games as well uh, in the MLR this last year, well, this year and last year, he's actually the assistant referee of the year. His name's Khalil Harrison. Absolutely a really good ref. And it's providing individuals like that, like a better platform to show you as like, Hey, I can do a center. I can do a center job. Like I don't have to just be a touch, uh, touch rest or assistant ref. I don't have to be a TMO. I can do a center job, those type of things. So, like I said, this is an event that's a overall next step pathway for everybody involved to get to another level within rugby. Yeah. I, I love that. I, that's, that's awesome. I, I mean, I like, I know for like South Carolina locally, uh, refereeing is something that like is, is always mm. a challenge because there's, there's only so many referees and sometimes there are so many games a challenge you say, <laughs> yeah, it, mm. it can be, it can be an interesting balance of who are you going to get to referee your game. And, and it, and I mean, two days of that. And to the referee's defense, like if you're refing three games a week because there's nobody else to do it, like you get frustrated and it's tough to continue to do a job yeah. well when you're frustrated. Like, Agreed. We need to get to the point where we have a good crop of referees that at every level, like even mm. the college and club level that can really do something good. It doesn't just have to be the MLR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% because – while CJ or Ethan said we have um, or we've had our fair share of difficulties with refs here in South Carolina, I do think agree that a big part of it is there's just not enough. Yeah, because 100%. we've had most of our games, except for like the SCRC playoffs or anything like that. We usually have we have our our referee, and then our touch judges are selected from one dude teams, from either yeah. team that is not playing. Yeah, not playing an assistant coach to run the touch and rely on them to be as impartial as they can be, which they usually are fairly impartial. Yeah. And I I mean, even at that, like if you're doing that as you don't have the training to, I mean, they're assistant referees on the touches. They're not just touch judges. They're not just there to point, put their flag up. Like they have a responsibility to help out. And like, it's always good to see the refs and uh, the touch judges, the assistant refs and MLR when they're calling in something. And I love hearing on broadcast, like those conversations that they'll have, like, what did you see? Because at the end of the day, like that is part of it. Mm -hmm. And when we just allow like, Oh yeah, this person's dad's going to do it. This person's mom's going to do it. Oh, this player, he's not going to play is going to do it. Like that isn't helping out the center ref whatsoever. And so we need to, continue to grow this game and doing so will help us build allow for more people wanting to do what is mostly a thankless job and being a referee 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we've kind of touched a little bit on, on, especially with like growing, uh, like every aspect of the game and every individual who participates within a game, um, at a very like good broad level. So I'd love to just tie in with going forward with the shield. Like what are, what are y'all's goals? Like what if you have set for like, like this year, next year, five years and so on, like what do you have? What is in y'all's scope? Yeah, um, we had a conversation about this today. And I mean, I can't give you everything just because like it not everything's set in stone, but ultimately like it's the collegiate rugby shield. It's not the men's collegiate rugby shield. Like eventually we want to get to the point where we have something for the women's as well. Because like I said earlier, this is supposed to be showcasing the hard work that young men have been putting in for years of their life to try to get a chance to get to the point where they can make this their job. Like we want to highlight that in the national televised game, but at the same time, there's just equally as many women that are out there putting in the hard work uh, each and every day. And so we want to get to the point where next year, hopefully um, if not next year, we're definitely working on it that we can have some type of women's competition and correlation with this. Um, and then further, like, who knows, like this doesn't have to be just a USA one. Uh, we have a rookie prop this year, Emerson Pryor, who's played really, really well against Atlanta this past week. Uh, he's from Trent university in Canada. Is there a possibility we can go up to Canada and continue to help out because I mean, then the day the MLR isn't just the USA thing. We have Toronto. Right. We allow for uh, Canadians into the MLR draft. Those type of things. Like, I th don't think we can just simply say, "Oh, well, Canada's up there. We're just going to do our own thing." Like, we have to lean into yeah. that and say, "Canada is part of this. It's a North American competition." And whether that's um, finding a way that with the fun stuff with visas and everything that we can allow Canadian comp, uh, competitors or just simply doing something up in Canada, who knows? But that is long-term, like who knows where to go from this. But I think ultimately what needs to be taken from us is this isn't a one-off event. This is the inaugural event that will have something annually. Awesome. So uh, inaugural event, uh, while we wrap up the conversation on, on the rugby shield, the collegiate rugby shield, I'd love for you to radiate, uh, reiterate uh, when, it, when is it and where can we watch it? Yeah, so it is on July 2nd, 5 p.m. Mountain Time. So that's 7 p.m. Eastern. And hopefully you can watch it here in Utah, Harriman, Utah, at Zions Bank Stadium. Uh, tickets are on sale right now, collegiaterugbyshield.com. But if you can't make it out, hopefully that you put it into your books for next year and into the future. But uh, we'll be on nationally tele national television, as we announced earlier this week, Fox Sports 1. So uh, check wherever your TV provider has Fox Sports, and you're going to see it right there on the guide collegiate rugby shield love it that's, awesome. that's gonna be awesome can't wait so, to watch it we're gonna divert away from all the rugby we always do this with every guest we like to give you a couple of 
rapid fire, just different questions, not related to rugby, just to see that you're an actual person. <laughs> so first thing is, you know, you had a lot of experience in sports. So what's your favorite sports other than rugby and your favorite team? And do you have any favorite players? Um, I mean, growing up in Utah, I'm going to do this and it's going to make some people mad. Uh, growing up in Utah, we only have one professional sports team. Uh, I don't count uh, Real Salt Lake as one. I mean, they do have a championship, but uh, I digress. Uh, the Utah Jazz growing up, uh, obviously big fan of the Utah Jazz. And so I always loved basketball growing up. And then uh, also big golfer as well. Okay. Do you have any favorite players from the Utah Jazz? Uh, I mean. Or golfers? Yeah. I don't really end up with favorite players or anything, gotcha. but uh, like, I mean, Donovan Mitchell's great. Uh, and then golf. I mean, who doesn't love Tiger Woods? So yeah, <laughs> the like slight Very bit true. of like shame in, in, in the comment. It's like, cause everybody does, you know, it's just how it is. <laughs> okay. Next question for you, beach or mountain vacation. Um. <laughs> Uh, this might also get people mad at me. Um, I personally don't like the beach. I don't know if you've ever seen Curb Your Enthusiasm, but uh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely like sitting at the beach. I've got in arguments with my parents before, like, oh, we're at the beach. I'm like, I don't like the beach. It's sandy. It's hot. There's wind. There's people running around. But I like <laughs> being around the beach, just not at the beach. So I'll choose beach. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, just put me around the beach, but I don't have to actually go on the sand. That's fair. I I, I respect that. I I, yeah. I live in Charleston now, and I've literally not been to the beach since I've moved here. I just enjoy the city. And you the have it? Area. No. Very understandable. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know what they say about sand. It's coarse, it, it's rough, and it gets oh, everywhere. Oh, God. Okay, Anakin. <laughs> okay, final question for you. Instagram or Twitter? I absolutely like at the end of the day, like I don't like to be on social media a whole ton. I have to be on it a lot more with uh, obviously the collegiate rugby shield, always getting the DMS and stuff for it. By the way, if you're listening to this and you're doing that, it's perfectly fine. I'll answer them as quickly as I can, but uh, definitely Instagram uh, Twitter's a little too much for me at times. Fair. Even with so Elon Musk buying it. <laughs> If, if you'd like to plug the uh, Collegiate Rugby Shield Instagram. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, go follow it, Collegiate Rugby Shield. Uh, and then if you have any questions, DM. Uh, there's also a place to ask, ask questions on the website. Tickets are on the website. Uh, our so far invited players are on the website. Coaches are on the website. You can find basically everything. Anything you want to know about the Collegiate Rugby Shield, either on the website or our Instagram pages. Awesome. Well, uh, that, that's going to wrap up this episode other than CJ. You got a list of games for us this week? All right. I've been, I've been told that I ramble on a little bit too much with these games, so I'm just going to pick two games of the week for this week. <laughs> so for first game of the week is on May 13th, 7 p.m. It's New England Free Jacks versus Rugby ATL on Rugby Network. I think that's just, you know, top of the table. Playoff two playoff teams are like top. Currently, they're in the playoff picture. 
So maybe that shakes uh, some stuff up in the East. But I'll say this, no bias whatsoever, but the next game of the week is the Houston Sabercats versus the Utah Warriors on <laughs> May 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern on also the Rugby Network. So, again, two U teams for the West. Let's see if let's see if Utah can pull it out. Nick, do you think they can win this one? You got a final score prediction? Finals, no, I can't do a prediction, but, I mean, <laughs> you saw what happened against Atlanta. Like we're yeah, clicking. huge win. We're clicking now, and I think it's a good opportunity to continue the momentum, and uh, we get to play pretty fun part in the MLR this year, and that gets to be spoiling some seasons. <laughs> there you I love go. that. I love oh, that. Let's do it. All right. Well, then. Go watch that on this weekend, so go watch some rugby.